This is Jana Wilde and Cat Hawk, and, and together, together we're seeking the middle path. So today on the middle path, we are talking about healing from Mormonism. Yeah, and surprisingly, um, when we started to discuss this just between ourselves, it made me realize that it hasn't been since recently, since I've actually started doing that and been out of Mormonism for 25 years. (laughs) So So recently that you've started to work on healing the trauma from growing up Mormon. Yes. yes. But you've been out for 25 years. Yeah. Thanks for clarifying (laughs) that. Yeah. It takes a minute. Oh, I think that there, I know that there is a tendency to, um, when you leave, when you, when you finally like accept that it's not true or that it's not working for you, there is this desire in a lot of the LDS people to just run away from it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Run away, never look back. And a lot of times don't even, for me, I wouldn't even tell people I even grew up in the church. (laughs) Yeah. There's definitely sort of embarrassment over what you accepted as your reality over proselytizing you did there's there's just so many like cringe moments as you look back on what you did as a believing member yeah i grew up in i guess you could say like the mormon bubble the mormon built and then i left really far away clear across the country where there was really no mormons and a lot of people didn't even know what it was the only thing they knew was about polygamy so for me, I, if I even mentioned that I grew up Mormon, I had just a lot of people asking me really a lot of questions or funny questions, or I would actually even try to explain what I grew up with. And I just got tired of trying to sound silly or ridiculous or trying to explain what it was that I grew up in. So I just stopped telling people I even grew up Mormon. <laughs> Seemed easier that way. Uh, yeah, I know since I have my degree from BYU, Idaho. I was always really embarrassed about that because not only is it church related school, but it's not even like the same caliber um, education wise as Provo. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like I was announcing to the world that I was a stupid cult member. (laughs) 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 And I I still have a lot of uh, reluctance to tell people where I went to school. I kind of want, I've seriously thought about going back and getting a master's just so I can have a different university. (laughs) Something else to say. I completely erase BYU. (laughs) Yeah, the idea that, you know, I did four years of higher education and I don't even want to tell anyone about it. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of sad. Sometimes, well, because I grew up here around the BYU, so it's hard for me to take it serious. Like, I don't take it that seriously. I don't, and I'm just coming from my point of view, I don't really know. I've never gone to school there, but I don't, I don't know how the education is there. I I know from just like talking to you that they kind of bring in also their Mormon practices into the classes or whatnot. Yeah. The education is not good. Um, Yeah. That's what I've heard from others. It's not, it's not competitive at all. Um, Some of their programs are good. Like their nursing program's good. I was in the music Mm -hmm. program. Their music program's good. But, you know, any classes I took outside of, of that Mm -hmm. were not 
at all, even up to the standards of what I did in high school. <laughs> so that's just my experience. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, when it comes to leaving Mormonism and recovering from all of that, that the fact that I have BYU-Idaho on my resume is a a big thing for me. Like yeah. it, it's, it's just brings it up all the time that, that um, uh, the realization of how much I sacrificed and made life, big life choices based on my religious belief. Yeah. Which to me, it feels very um, like the programming that we, we got as children growing up in the church that everything you do in your day-to-day personal life and also going to church how involved like it's just all encompassed together and then yeah well like and then my yeah. degree I got I got and I know a lot of women do this that are LDS I got a degree that would be friendly to being a stay-at-home mom so mm-hmm. piano pedagogy because I could teach piano lessons from the home so a lot of your choices are not even things that maybe you really, truly desired, but it was just what would work with the church and what would work if I became a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. Those are the two main things that we were taught. Yeah. It's like, here's the blueprint for my life. And when I'm in my formative years, I'm making all of these choices to long-term fit that blueprint. Mm-hmm. And then you leave Mormonism. It's like, well, what do I do? You know, do I go back to school and get a completely new degree? Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard because I mean, we also have kids pretty young, so then you can't go. It's challenging to go back to school. Where are you going to have the time? It's always hard to start over. Mm -hmm. Um, Career wise. I mean, you get so many years of experience in your profession and then you have to start from scratch if you switch. Mm -hmm. And so if you, if you made career choices based on the Mormon faith and what you were told your life is supposed to look like, then you're at a great handicap Mm -hmm. (laughs) to the competition when you finally leave Mormonism. Yeah. So how long have you been out for now? So I've been out for 15 years. And, um, (laughs) like I said, it still haunts me in these ways. Like the fact that, you know, BYU-Idaho is on my resume. Um, but just like you, I left, um, around the time I just, my husband at the time and I left Mormonism, we moved to Alaska. Mm -hmm. And I was so thrilled because I thought I'm, nobody's even going to know I'm Mormon and I'm not even going to have to like explain all the time why I'm not going to church. It's such a freedom when you when you do leave the the church, and then you're actually not in an area where it's um, full of Mormons <laughs> everywhere. You don't have to do yeah. that part anymore, and you get a chance to really kind of start figuring yourself out and um, see what you do like outside of the church, who you really are, what you want to do, what do you believe in. Um, it was less that way for me, um, because the area we moved to in Alaska was actually very evangelical. Uh-huh. Oh, was it? <laughs> yeah, a lot. It was kind of like the Bible Belt of Alaska. There was a lot of these um, gung-ho Christian faiths that had gone up there to start churches mm. and convert, you know, 
heathens in the wilderness. It was like their way of doing <laughs> wow. a, a wilderness mission without really being in the wilderness. But they got to tell people they like went on a mission for their faith to Alaska. But really, we had like a Walmart and a Home Depot. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we're like hardcore Christian Bush people. And so, yeah, everybody was always asking me what church I went to. Oh. And when I wanted to teach piano lessons, um, I mean, obviously, a selling point is that I have a degree in piano. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, list my degree. And then everybody wonders if I'm Mormon. And then my parents also had my records transferred. Oh, did they? So the local church, the local ward, like Mormon church, started... Um, what is it called when they try to befriend you to bring you back? <laughs> oh, I don't remember the name of that. Yeah, they started to try to be my my bestestestest friends. Mm-hmm. Um, because 15 years ago was before it was really well understood. Yeah. Why people left. Yeah. <laughs> and so they they just thought my husband wasn't letting me come. And so they thought it was because my husband didn't let me come to church. So they were trying to come rescue you. And invite me to things all the time, invite mm-hmm. me to really society activities and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Mine it was a, a wasn't it that fun? That. No, I I guess not. I where I went to, there was like no Mormons. I I went to Florida and it was quite more liberal in the area I was. So nobody asked you what you believed in at all. And then if they so I just when I first moved there, I was telling people that I was raised Mormon and they all asked me how many moms I had. <laughs> I was like, well, I only have one. But, you know, not all Mormons do that. <laughs> but I remember defending it. I remember trying to explain to them why they would do that. I don't even think I even had a straight answer. I was like, yeah, they just used to do that to help women who lost their husbands. So they, you know. <laughs> That's what <laughs> we were told. <laughs> yeah. So they would be supported, you know, because they can't live with a man unless they're married. And now when I look back, I mean, saying that those people are probably like, wow, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why. That's why men yeah. marry multiple wives. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I think I needed to be somewhere where I could have complete space from what I grew up in because I felt so I'm I'm a spiritual person and I also like really believe when they tell me something when I was young, like very naive. So I really believed some things, even though in my mind it was starting to float around like, do we? And then being in a place where I had no one bugging me about it and I could actually really think about things and study things and not have guilt around me, it helped me to find um kind of that truth within myself. Like every time I asked a question, I'm like, well, do I, do I believe in Jesus? Um, do I believe in this God that I was taught about? Do I believe in these stories? And every time I would think it, and then I would think I, I would wait to see if I was going to be attacked or lightning. was going to hit me and it never did. And I was like, Oh, okay. I'm like, I'm starting to see this. Like, and some of the stories I was told are pretty bogus. Like, why did I even believe any of that? <laughs> Yeah, I think a a big part of healing, at least in the early stages, is starting to unravel what you think about God, about life, about the afterlife, mm-hmm. <laughs> like what you think versus what you've been told to think. Yeah. Yes. And I think that I think it's very disconcerting for a lot of people. And that's why they 
not not I wouldn't say the majority of Mormons, but there is a chunk that go to another um pretty hardcore Christian faith because mm-hmm. it's really unsettling to answer those questions for yourself and not have a guidebook when you've grown up your whole life with like a very rigid here's the answer and here's the answer and here's the answer. Yeah, very black and white. It's this way or no way. Mm-hmm. Heaven or hell. <laughs> well, not even just heaven or hell. It's like, and there's there's three degrees of glory. And mm-hmm. this is how you get into the top degree. And this is like what happens when you sin. And this is mm-hmm. why, and here's what sin is. And here's what like good is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it really gives you a, a cage, but also a house, mm-hmm. like for your spiritual viewpoints. Yeah. So it takes time to kind of rip down that house and create your own viewpoints. Yeah. It can be really um, shocking to the system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like the, I don't know if I ever felt for myself really shocked at any point because I had so much space to really like look at everything. Um, but I have experienced that with other people where they finally just all of a sudden were like, I get it. I can't be in this like religion at all. And then they just do that and kind of go in a shutdown shock phase. Well, and since your family wasn't like super active, maybe Mm -hmm. you didn't, um, kind of form your thoughts around what Mormonism taught you to think the way other people do. Yeah. Yeah. It was much more, there was, yeah, there's some like space in between the, the stuff I was taught. It was more like you were being maybe shamed by groups like in your community for not oh, conforming definitely. versus like actually in your mind believing that this and thinking this way about everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so um, since we're talking about healing from Mormonism, how long would you say it's taken you to heal from this? religion that we grew up in um i i feel like i'm only just now finally shedding some of the really deep layers um that Mm -hmm. i that i picked up in the indoctrination and it's really been a journey because i hadn't realized how much it had shaped the way i viewed about just life basic life things, um, relationships, um, especially what it means to be a woman Mm -hmm. and what it means to be a confident woman and like an empowered woman and how much I had just like molded myself and my femininity and my intellect to, to fit this person I was supposed to be like, that has been the part that took the longest, I think, to come out of. Yeah, I I would have to say I'm about the same place you are. Um, done over the last five years, a lot of work, but it does seem like that really deep layer, um, especially feeling like a really confident woman, feeling feminine, um, really looking at where the... I almost wanted to say the bruising came from (laughs) the scars um, is from so long ago, just from being really young and something that 
I was taught from my grandma and my mother or all the other women around me because of what the church was teaching them, how they had to teach us to be proper or good or um, not to be loud, not to be, not to say things you're not supposed to say. Um, it takes, takes a while, but I feel like this will be an ongoing process. Yeah, I um I think learning boundaries um that took me a long time. Yeah, uh, it's that's not huge. something that was modeled in the church or necessarily in my home with my parents. Um it's actually celebrated to not have boundaries in Mormonism. <laughs> 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 and to just like be a doormat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um and then I think the other piece too is uh, that as a woman, I'm allowed to have emotions like anger. <laughs> yeah, because you're not supposed to get angry at all and show your anger. I feel like yeah. the anger in women starts to show in their jaw and they're clenching. You see so many women that clench. Or they have those really tight smiles. Uh-huh. I'm so, yep, I'm good. Oh, there's been several <laughs> times of, like I've been around LDS women and I've just thought that smile looks like... <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna, she's her eyes are telling me that <laughs> everything is not okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm just great. <laughs> Please don't kill me. Um, yeah, that I'm allowed to just not be this nice, nice girl all the time, that I don't have to underplay my intelligence to get um men to be nice to me. Um that I don't have to simper and like stroke people's egos and smile and, and make all this like <laughs> small talk to fluff them up in order to be liked or <laughs> to be um, given career opportunities or social opportunities or, or any of that. Like it just has been such a process unlearning that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it um and it for me it's like I have to take time to really sit down and look at these patterns to really to understand and it's almost like making a commitment to this healing because I feel like there's there's some of it that you can do like that surface level like I left the church I'm never going back and I'll just tell people you know either I tell people I hate it and I'm never going back or I just never will mention again. And then you find, you slowly find a new community, new friends, because um, you lose a lot of that when you leave the church. But then I feel like when you're really starting to try to work on yourself to break away from old patterns that you were brought up with, it it takes work. It takes time. It's like a commitment to yourself. Yeah. And I don't know that it's not that people don't want to heal when they leave Mormonism. It's just that I think there's a feeling of having wasted so much time and energy and been taken advantage of and em- embarrassment over their behaviors that they just want mm-hmm. to be able to to flip a switch and suddenly have this new life yeah. where Mormonism and all of that craziness isn't even like a part of any of it. Well, who do you even trust after that, after you leave the church? Like for me, I, it was really hard to find someone I could trust to talk to because I didn't even know if I knew what I needed to say or talk about. 
who could I feel comfortable to talk to about these things, especially if you're in an area like where we are, where it's the Mormon bubble, most likely who you're going to go to to get help is someone Mormon too. So are they really going to give you the right kind of help that you need? Are they actually going to really listen to you? Yeah, I think that's true that one of the big struggles is that it's just so isolating, mm-hmm. you know, being the 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 process of leaving if you can even talk to anyone. Because um, if you are an active believing Mormon then and, and following what you're supposed to do, then your whole community is Mormon. You know, mm-hmm. your your significant other is Mormon. Your children are Mormon likely your parents and Mm -hmm. your best friend. And so you decide it's not true and you're on the other side. It's like, well, who, who am I supposed to talk to about this? And I, I left with my husband. And so we talked to each other about it. Um, some, but honestly, not that much. Like the leading up, we talked a lot about Mormonism and the different concerns we had. But once we were out, I don't think we really ever talked to it again about it again unless unless for some reason like a family member or something brought it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I didn't really talk about it much myself as well when I left the church. Um and then the person I married was not even Mormon. He was not even from this area or this country. So talking to him about it it was, he, it didn't make no sense to him anyways. <laughs> so I just buried it. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I think that's really just common. It's that we want to live our lives. We don't want to mm-hmm. s- sit here and think about this anymore. We're embarrassed that we even spent the time we did on it. And so yeah. can we just move on? <laughs> yeah. Can we just move on? So that's what I did. I just moved on until it caught up to me. Yeah, uh, I was going to say the next question would be, so what finally made it come up again in your energy? Well, I think you realized it, was, it wasn't uh-huh. like all better. Well, I th- I had a lot of childhood trauma as well um, with my family. And then also just realizing I've been married to someone for 12 years with two kids. And I was like, wow, I'm just not happy. Like, I'm not happy. and. Um, I guess I don't even know how to explain it. It was almost like a ticking time bomb. It was all the things I never um, addressed were just all being put into a giant ball inside of me. And um, it was going through my divorce when it all just exploded. And going through that, I had to pause and sit down. And I felt like I had really lost myself too. I was really lost. And I had to ask myself, how did I end up here? Like, I have everything. If you look at me from the outside looking, from the outside looking into my life, it looked perfect. I had it all. Um, But I was so lost and unhappy. So when I got divorced, um, the first thing I did was start looking at who I am. How did I lose myself? and putting the pieces back. A lot of it has been family and um, the trauma there. But then as I dove deeper, it's been the religion that I was brought up in. It's that, you know, very low self-esteem, self-worth. I'm just a woman. 
Um, I have no value. Not being able to speak about my problems was a big one because we were suppressed so much as women. You don't talk about these things. You don't, ex- well, who do you talk to? Just like, who do you talk to about these things? Most of the time, if you had a problem, they told you to just go pray <laughs> or go read your scriptures. Yeah. It's like pray or read your scriptures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I had, I couldn't, I couldn't figure those things out. I can't, I couldn't figure out child abuse. I couldn't figure out abuse in the church. I couldn't figure out the people in the church that abused me. I couldn't figure that out through prayer and through scriptures. I needed to figure that out uh, within myself and then actually getting really good therapy. And then as I've done that over the years, it's brought me to that point where I've realized a lot of this just, this abuse leads back to religion. And um, I would say maybe this last year is where I've really started to do the really hard work. I mean, it's even just talking about it, like, live like this is pretty challenging. But I feel like this is the next step because it's an opportunity to express, to talk, to do this thing that I was always told not to do. Would you say that there were, like, hints along the way (laughs) that you weren't healed, you know, things that kind of popped up that were like, "Mm, you still have stuff here to work on. Um, So before my divorce, like during that time, yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, because I have sexual trauma from my childhood and then on top of what you're taught in the church of how you should just not have any sexuality at all. (laughs) So whenever anybody was talking about sex in the room, I... I couldn't even like talk about it. It was really hard for me. Or um, I'm, I used to watch um, the morning show in the morning and it would have t- subjects on there about sex and like partnership and sex. And I would have to turn it off. It would really trigger me. I think like, nothing's wrong there. I'm, I'm perfectly fine. Like everything's fine down there. And I do remember some um, friends or um, a sibling would say that they love sex. And I, and I would just be like, what? really? Why? Like, why do you love it? Like I, don't love it but which was confusing because I am a very sensual person so I would have sex with my partner but I wasn't in love with it like so this area inside of me sex was I can even say the word sex um I knew then that there was like something going on with me but who do you go to to talk to about that? I'm like in my early 20s, going through my 20s with this. I don't know. Yeah. I was taught. I never had anyone to talk to about my sexual trauma as a child. I was taught to always keep your mouth closed. So. Well, the part yeah. of that is just that nobody acted like anything traumatic had happened. It was just kind of like swept aside. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the case with a lot of um like the traumas we experience in Mormonism is nobody acts like any of because it is normal. This is just normal. This is just what we do. Mm -hmm. This is just how we all do it. And so it's hard to fathers beat their children. That's normal. They're bad kids. (laughs) It's hard to know, like when you're leaving Mormonism that you even have trauma because Uh all of it has been so normalized. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, that's exactly how it felt for me. I didn't even know I had trauma until, um, 
my ex had blew up on me and I grew up with a very abusive, explosive father. So um, I started to get confidence in my relationship in that marriage. And the confidence was not what he liked. And so he started really um, putting me down and then he would start to get explosive. And when he got explosive with me, his anger and like the the bullying and the yelling at me, I started to um, close down inside. I'd almost like curl up into a, a black ball inside. And I didn't know what was going on with me, but we actually um, did couples therapy because we were trying to save our marriage. Um, but if anything, that therapist was like, wow, you have PTSD. Did you know this? Did you know? Like she started naming all She's like, anyone from like sexual trauma, like you have, like what you grew up with, you like usually a lot of women become like the opposite. Like they, um, they'll have multiple plot partners. They have a really hard time, um, with sex in another direction. Um, and so she's like, you should be really proud of yourself that you like survived all these things and like that you haven't, um, gone in that direction. And I'm like, I'm not a survivor. What are you even talking about? And the fact that she had to explain to my husband at the time that the way he talks to me explodes uh, when I have PTSD like me, it's, um, it's very traumatic. Like it causes me to not be able to even talk. And when I wouldn't talk, he would yell at me more. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I'm so glad someone's telling me that I actually have a problem because I thought I do. Like I, but nobody's ever told me. Yeah. And how would you know? I mean, we only have mm-hmm. one life that we live. Like we don't know what other people's experiences and, and what's considered traumatic or like, yeah, that was yeah. hard, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like maybe everybody has that in their life and they just are all fine. <laughs> yeah. But it felt so nice to have someone finally listen to me because usually if I had a problem, it would be my partner that I talked to and he was no help, obviously. So having a professional who like actually really listened to me and talked me through things kind of put me on that step of like, of realizing, okay, I do need help. And every time I'd get help and I'd go home and there was just still all these issues, I was like, I'm just not in the place I'm supposed to be. So leaving my ex-husband almost felt like to me officially leaving the Mormon church because I was leaving behind the part of me that was told, get married when you're young, have kids, be married forever, do everything for him, submit, be the stay at home mother. I was leaving all of that and going, and I was, I just felt like I was going out to reclaim me, my soul. And um, as painful as it was to leave everything behind and the person that I'd loved for 17 years, Um, it also felt like, it felt like I was finally doing something for me. Um, I think that is common, um, for people that are, grow up LDS and we get married really young and then we leave Mormonism. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you don't even fully process leaving Mormonism and until you leave that relationship because that relationship has, a lot of undercurrents that have been established for like years and years and years based on the fact that you were both Mormon and yeah. usually both people aren't even like fully aware mm-hmm. of how that, how much that has impacted their relationship. 
Oh, absolutely. And my ex actually was brought up Catholic, so still had a lot of like the same undertones, like the woman should be submissive and um, taking care of the kids and just so many different factors. But yeah, so. But you shaped, you shaped that marriage though, based on a lot of what you were taught growing up Mormon. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So I feel like like both fell into certain roles mm-hmm. and certain like assignment of <laughs> the different chores and expectations yeah. and even the sex too. Yeah. This, yeah. All of it. I cooked, I did all the things that I was taught, the things that I excelled in. <laughs> the only thing I didn't keep doing was the crafting. <laughs> oh, I never got into the crafting and I always mm-hmm. felt like there was something I don't know, like it, like an outsider because I didn't enjoy scrapbooking (laughs) and, and, you know, the Mormon women would, they would get so excited to do these scrapbooking parties and these quilting parties and these craft get togethers. And I just was like, I'd rather just buy it in the store. I know. (laughs) I know. I know. When I moved back here and I saw that um, as I was trying to create a community when I moved back here. And some of them had invited me over for stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, we're still doing that? I'm like, no, I'm good. No, thank you. Yeah, that is. That's how the the women kind of connect with each other. And just, it's very limiting um, the the role a woman is allowed to Mm -hmm. have um, in Mormonism. And as you come out of it, it's like, different people probably rebel against that in different ways. but. I feel like while I thought I was empowered in some ways, cause I'm going to, I'm finally going to dress how I want. I'm going to wear whatever mm-hmm. underwear I want. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to drink wine. I'm, I can have a glass of wine and like mm-hmm. going to do all of these things that you guys said I couldn't, I still didn't let myself um, step out of those structures that like women are supposed to be motherly mm-hmm. and women are supposed to be, homemakey and crafty and like women are supposed to be all those things and also accommodate the men in their lives. Cause that's how you make a marriage work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The man goes to work and then you're just supposed to take care of all of it. Yeah. I'm sure he's happy when he comes home. Oh, Hey honey, how was your day? Dinner's ready. Kids be good. <laughs> yeah. It's very much this belief that um, if I wanted my marriage to work and of course, who doesn't want their marriage to work that I had mm-hmm. to play this certain part. And so even though I was out of Mormonism fairly early in the marriage, I was still believing a lot of the things they had taught me and was like implementing those things to try to make my marriage work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's almost like your blueprint. It's like your, your book. So you're trying to follow it. Like, okay, this is what I was taught. How do I do this? How did my parents do this? You should, you just go and buy what you were taught until you realize it's just not working. Well, and that's a really scary aspect when you talk about trying to heal from Mormonism, like you say you're, you're out one of the biggest worries you have when you're leaving is for most people is that they're going to lose their marriage, they're mm-hmm. going to lose their family and kids. And so it's like, well, maybe I like cognitively know this all isn't true, but I'm still going to like play this part to make my marriage work or to like keep my kids in my life. 
And you can do that. I mean, certainly you can try, but. um, Even when people leave together, like when there's still this idea of, would we really have married each other if it hadn't been for what the church told us? Well, because a lot of, a lot of them, myself included, it's like the first person that you fall in love with at the age of 16 or 17. And you don't even really know yourself at that age, but you just think that it's supposed to be this happily ever after thing. You find them and within a few months, you're, I didn't marry right away, but I did completely move my life to be with this person and gave up everything. I think you kind of taught that this like self-sacrifice, you just meet this person, marry them, and then you're supposed to mesh in together. There's no individual person here. Yep. And then, so even if you do end up leaving the church as a couple, I think a lot of times you start to find out who you are and it's like, why are we together? Yeah. Well, you're both kind of stunted and limited in your development because of Mm -hmm. trying to fit those parameters as you come into adulthood for Mormonism. And yeah, once those parameters are gone, it's like, oh, I get to finally be who I am. And then you Mm -hmm. look at your spouse, even say they left Mormonism too. And it's like, oh, who are you? (laughs) Wait, why are we doing doing this? (laughs) You mean that there's not this endure to the end idea and then we get salvation in the next life? Now we actually have choices. Uh, yeah, I think that was a big epiphany for me too when I realized marriage doesn't have to be forever. Uh, being with just one partner for the rest of my life is—I—I yeah. I, I, I don't. It doesn't have to be. It—it it, it took away the stress of trying to make it always work, and even to always be like maybe positive or happy with that person all times, like. No, you're just going to get me. This is who it is. And if this is not working, then we maybe need to discuss if we actually want to move forward with this. Yeah, well, and that's a whole process, too, with leaving Mormonism is Mm -hmm. like we like we said, there's all these ways that you have shaped um, your view of the world, your view of yourself your idea of right and wrong because of what the Mormon church teaches. And then when you're out, it's like, oh, well, what do I really think about these things? You know, what do I really want? Who am I really? (laughs) And that just, it can lead you down such a rabbit hole. It's just, and then you're terrified too, because you're like, if I go on this journey, am I going to lose my husband or wife? Am I going to lose the people I love? And honestly, there's, there's a good chance that you do. And so even though people might leave Mormonism, I think a lot of them don't go on that journey because mm-hmm. it's like they can only lose so much. <laughs> like, it's I know. Just, come on. That's, that's a lot. I, you're right. It is, <laughs> it is a lot to do that in one lifetime, like just keep losing everything. Um, yeah. Is but, it one thing enough? <laughs> yeah. I feel like a lot of those that were in such a, um, almost, well, cultish religion, Mormonism, other really strong like high demand, high demand. Thank you. That's the word I want. Um, I feel like a lot of them just turn completely the other way, like atheist. And it's almost like another way of not having to think about things too. Well, I just don't believe in any of it now. So, and I'm just going to keep going on with my life now. Well, it makes so it's me almost like, I was gonna say, of, it's like you shovel it all into a closet. 
<laughs> yeah, it makes me think of um, people that leave abusive relationships and mm-hmm. how <laughs> either they immediately jump into another abusive relationship or they are so afraid of trusting that it takes them years, decades, maybe they never get in another yeah. relationship because they just can't trust. Somehow they got betrayed the one time and they just can't trust again. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I I love talking about this because it is so much like Mormonism, your your religion that you grow up in, sets you up so much for your relationships in life. And it's true. You either go one way or the other. It's really hard to find that middle ground. It's the middle path. The middle path. <laughs> yeah, I think it's all about that's where the healing work is, though. It's it, we end up in extremes because of trauma. We end up, mm-hmm. like you said, with like with sexual stuff, we end up completely shut down or completely promiscuous because of trauma. And with religion, we end up in these like high demand religions, cults, um, or just completely shut down to all things spiritual because of trauma. You know, we mm-hmm. trust. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of where I was headed too. I was in that place of, well, I don't think I really believe in anything anymore. Um, but there was a part of me that was like, oh, but you know, you've always believed in like spiritual things. Like you always like just felt like trees have life or the little magical things. And it was like, I couldn't turn it completely off. But when I went, I can't even say the word soul. When I went soul searching, when I completely just like lost everything and went to that black hole and got to went through the divorce and stuff. That's when I remember sitting there with like, I have a choice right now. I can either close it all off and just close this door or we can go out there and get yourself back. And I knew it was going to be hard and scary because I was really scared to trust again. Um, even trusting, um, well, I was never going to go back to religion again, but even trusting, I guess I could say like words, uh, I couldn't work, trust the word God anymore. I couldn't trust the word Jesus anymore. I had to go out and find ways to trust these in my own terms where I connected with myself. Yeah, the word God was triggering for me for a long mm-hmm. time. Or Heavenly Father. Heavenly oh, Father oof, is worse. No, oh, that one I still am not okay with. <laughs> um, yeah, but there's a lot of the language that's wrapped up in the church. Um, mm-hmm. And when you leave it, it's hard to, you sort of shy away from it altogether. And then reforming it can be quite a journey so that it doesn't like trigger you. Yeah, yeah. And I just felt like as I was searching these things for myself, I kept telling myself, they're not going to take this from you. They're not going to take that little bit of like spark or spirituality that maybe I'm feeling or sensing. They're not going to take it that part of use. And um, it takes time. It just... And I think the trusting started coming back when I started finding really good friends, like for you, example, for example, <laughs> hmm. when I started like learning about boundaries, red flags, and all of it just kept going back to the church. I was like, oh my gosh, this reminds me so much of like what I was taught in the church. And there was like, no, at any time it was like, it was okay. The abuse was okay. Right. Like yeah. what we said earlier. And um, 
it just takes time and practice and learning to trust yourself. Yeah. Um, I was atheist for a long time after leaving Mormonism, probably about 10 years, close to 10 years, eight to 10 mm-hmm. years, um, because of how inaccurate the way of like learning about intuition or like listening to the spirit, like how inaccurately the Mormon church taught that to me. Mm-hmm. And so it just felt like, oh, if you, if you do any of that, you're just going to be taken advantage of. You're going to, it's like foolishness. Um, it's, it's what people do to con other people. You know, they, they tell them to listen to the voice, they listen to the Holy spirit, listen to, you know, yeah. God's word. Like, and we end up, in situations where we're praying over, you know, cans of soup at the grocery store. And what does God want me to do? Like, you can't make any choices for yourself. Oh my God, you're so right. (laughs) And so I just was like, well, that's a bunch of bullshit. Like that just sounds like a way to abuse people. And I think a lot of ex-Mormons draw the same conclusion on their way out. They're like, this is just one big con and all religion is a con. And, And there, there is some truth to that. And so Mm -hmm. for me, it was, it didn't wake up again for me until I started to realize that the, just because God had been presented in this one certain way, Mm -hmm. didn't mean that that was the truth. And that I could think about, you know, these words like God or intuition or spirituality and redefine them for myself. that I didn't have to accept the definitions I'd been given by these toxic organizations. Um, yeah, that that's making me smile because that was like a huge moment for me too. Like when it's, oh, oh, you mean I, it's not, it doesn't have to meet that. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I could believe in something, but it doesn't have to be what you're telling me to. Mm-hmm. It could come from in here. And that was another another big part of like healing the spiritual side of me is realizing that spirituality comes from inside of me. Like my spiritual spirituality comes from in here. And um, if that's the case, if I'm just trusting myself, then why am I afraid? It's when we it's when we give that power away to someone else that we give our our reasoning, we give our intuition, we give our morality away to these organizations and just mm-hmm. follow them blindly. That's when we get betrayed. Yeah, you can't even pick out the soup that you want. You don't yeah. even know what you want. <laughs> it's just high, highly disempowering. Uh huh. And so that that was a bit really um, big healing moment for me is, is I started to open up just a little bit to like, maybe I could have spirituality in my life. Maybe it just needs to come from inside of me instead of from an outside source. But even so, there was still this constant fear. And I see this in ex-LDS all the time, this constant fear of being made a fool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and I also feel like when you start opening up a little bit and um, finding out what it even means to you or finding your own spirituality. It's pretty sacred. Like you don't even have to share this with anybody. Yeah. That's the one thing I really hated about going to church. I hated, I hated bearing my testimony. I hated going up in front of all these people and telling them how I felt or what I believed in because I didn't want to tell them. 
And yeah. I would I would try to find like a really good story or something to tell to try to make everybody cry because that's when the spirit's there because you're crying. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you don't have to share any of that when you start like finding out when you do it just for yourself. It's 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 yours. It's yours alone. It is interesting the contrast of um, you know when I was spiritual as a Mormon there was this constant need to share that spirituality to to proselytize um, with non-believers to stand up in church and share that testimony mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. Um, just find any opportunity you can to like farther validate what you believe and help other people believe it yeah. whereas now I'm like. I rarely talk about my spiritual beliefs um, unless I'm directly asked because, and even then I might, I, you know, I might be selective about what I choose because it's mine. Like, yeah. I'm not trying to convince you to believe what I believe. Like, I don't care. You believe whatever you want. Yeah. This has it's... been my journey. And, and I, because I've had certain experiences on my journey, this is what I believe. Yeah. That, actually, I was just going to say that it kind of makes me think of, um, also in the area that we live in, the ones that have like left the church, there's like the spiritual community. And I have noticed that where everyone's almost in competition with each other, especially like the healers, the ones that like work on people. And it's almost like, well, what can you do? What can you see? Oh, do you hear the spirits too? Um, And I was kind of caught up in that um, when I first got divorced and was starting to go down my path. But this last year, maybe as time has gone by, I've been feeling that, well, this is actually something I really don't want to share anymore. I don't even want to let you guys know what I sense or feel or kind of like what you were just saying. It's not treated as sacred. It reminds me of kind of like just going back into the church. Like we all got to tell each other, oh, this made me cry. And Well, um, there's there's the group of, you know, I'd say the vast majority of ex-Mormons become atheist. And then you know, there's a percentage that ends up in some kind of other Christian sect because mm-hmm. they don't want to quite let go of all of it. Like that's yeah. a lot. <laughs> and then there's um, another group that ends up in the new age spiritual community. I'd say that's probably a significant portion. Mm-hmm. And they they practice. It's funny because it's like we've changed all the words, right? Yeah. You no, know, maybe it's Gaia now, or mm-hmm. <laughs> or maybe it's shamanism. But then they're doing the same stuff like they've just changed the words (laughs) yeah it's yeah it is and there's kind of some of them starts to go into like that cultish pattern again too where you almost need a guru or someone who um is more spiritually enlightened than you to get answers and they start to take advantage and starting to take your money again yeah um yeah. And it's, so it's another kind of spiritual abuse. It's like, yeah. it's just like, you know, when you're leaving an abusive husband and then you find yourself in yeah. another abusive relationship, like, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, well, let's just go do, you know, wrap it up in different packaging and do the same thing again. Um, Get, get taken advantage of have people take our money and it's just be disempowered. Yeah. And, that, w- that was something I had to learn too, by kind of going down that path and being in that community and it's all you, you, you kind of become a hermit <laughs> well the thing the truth is spirituality is very much a solitary journey mm-hmm. and you can you know find friends or groups along the way that help you but ultimately and at the end of the day it's your path and 
and only you can carve out that path. And as soon as you start following someone else and, and handing over all of your sort of higher thinking choices Mm -hmm. to that guru, then it's not your path anymore. Yeah. It's, it's yours, yours alone and it's sacred. Yeah. So I think that that's probably the trickiest part that I see for most XLDS is figuring out how to be spiritual or rather what their personal spiritual path is not to say that all people have to have like a a, a spiritual path that involves god or no. chanting or praying like it could just look like going on a hike you know in the woods and yeah talking time, out loud <laughs> to yeah. yourself <laughs> time yeah exactly time alone in the woods or that makes or you feel a, that spark inside yeah or going to eat an enjoyable meal by yourself yeah. It can be so many different things. Yeah. And it's it's about heal, healing and connecting with who you are inside and with the path that you're meant to be on in this life. That's, mm-hmm. that's what spirituality is. Yeah. And I think um, the further along you go, um, for me, it's been, I used to feel like a I don't know if I felt like I needed to always be involved so much, but I certainly wanted to be a little bit more extrovert. Um, but I've like found as a, as time has gone on that even the time I spend with um, friends or family, it's, I'm very limited to where that time goes because I don't want um I just don't want to burn time on something I'm working so hard to heal or keep in alignment or keep myself feeling elevated. Well, you're just, it's that transition mm-hmm. of, um, as you work on yourself, certain groups don't mm-hmm. fit anymore and, and stepping out of those groups. And so that is another difficulty you know you lose your community when you leave mormonism and i know i felt really lost like well how do i make friends now well you do so much together as mormons too like all through the week not just sundays so yes well they don't there's not really um like friend making skills because you make friends based on who you have callings with and who's in young women's with you or who's in sunday school with you like those become your friends and this idea of like, well, I don't have that anymore. How am I going to make friends? And um, so I have these little kids. I started going to the park and like finding other moms with little kids and just talking to them, just really pushing myself out of my comfort zone and just like Mm -hmm. talking to random moms that had kids about the same age to try to try to connect and make friends. And it worked. But then time and again, I found as I continue to heal and grow, like those friend groups continue to change. Mm-hmm. And so I guess losing it when I came out of Mormonism was was the first, the first loss in a series of this is just how life works. If I want to continue to like grow and expand myself, then I'm going to have to continue to accept that my social groups are going to change. It's just how it goes uh, with life. If we want to not stay stuck, then we have to accept that parts of our lives are going to have to shift and change as we shift and change. Like 
healing is a lifelong process. I don't think we mm-hmm. ever stop really working on ourselves or um, sort of examining why we do the things we do and trying to um, be better. But with leaving Mormonism, that's really the, it's the first step. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not the final step. It's, it's actually the first step to healing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You got a big old mountain in front of you. <laughs> yeah. And so that, that process of losing community of, of losing maybe a career path of like regrets of losing parts of ourselves that we're just not going to be that person anymore. That's just the first time. And what's probably going to become, you know, several different occasions as you mature and grow, when you mm-hmm. will lose friend groups and maybe do job transitions um, and lose parts of yourself as you like grow and change and evolve. Yeah. And I feel like it's, it's not that it's not ever difficult or hard, but I feel like there's a part of you that once you've done it a few times, it's like you start to understand the process and um it makes it just flow it can flow a little bit more smoothly it's like okay i know what i need to do through this process now yeah i think i would advise that just because it it hurt so much and was so difficult that first time it doesn't mean it always has to be that difficult usually the first time is the worst yeah um, because hopefully we learn to become more flexible and ready to accept our mistakes. And so we don't get quite so buried in them before yeah. we're ready to change. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a really good way of saying it. Um, the first time, yeah, there was, for me, it was, there was so much there. So yes, it was extremely painful. But it also showed me, um, like, wow, that really sucked. I'm never doing that again. How do I prevent this? And so even throughout the years, even though I have all these tools now, it's still there. You still have a new layer of yourself that has to be examined. And oh my, oh, wow, I didn't even know this was there. Wow, this really sucks. Okay, well, how do we take, we know how to do this now. Let's let's do it. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think just like you, for me, the process of leaving Mormonism was actually wrapped up in the process of leaving my marriage too. And so mm-hmm. even though I left Mormonism when I was fairly young, I didn't really leave my Mormon um, patterns mm-hmm. for another like 13 years. Um, and then when I finally got out of that relationship, that's when I finally started to sort of remember who mm-hmm. I was underneath it all. You know, the girl before all of the conditioning and the shame and the guilt that that little girl, <laughs> that child self. Um, yeah, the little girl. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that when you leave, like, and and you start to heal, that that really is wrapped up in all of the different sort of structures that are in your life, connected to, like, built while you were Mormon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just takes time because it's so many layers. And yeah, and I think that people they can stay in like they can leave Mormonism and stay in their marriage, like they can make that mm-hmm. work. Um, but I think it almost has to be like a, a starting over, like yeah. 
like dating each other again, courting each other again. And I think the same goes with family members that mm-hmm. see like, like their view of you and trying to help them see who you're becoming outside of like Mormonism. That can really be a process too, that it can just take a lot of, a lot of patience and time. Yeah, definitely time. It's learning to see, because you're learning to see yourself from a new perspective. So you're also going to start seeing maybe your partner or your family members like from a new lens too. And it just takes time. Yeah. (laughs) So there's all this, like you said earlier, like it's relearning. I feel like 13 years out and Mm -hmm. still, I feel like maybe just barely my family is starting to see me as more than a bad Mormon. Yeah, because that's what you were were for so long. I was just being a bad Mormon. And Mm -hmm. now it's kind of like, oh, maybe there's some other things about her that exists that we should be aware of. Um, But even so, I know it's always going to shape how they view me. And so there's this balancing of how much do I want them in my life if that's their view of me versus like how much do I want to, you know, create new connections and family systems for myself. And so you don't necessarily have to like completely lose family or completely lose a marriage, but it it is really tricky if you want mm-hmm. to continue to like grow and develop yourself, like these people that are still sort of stuck seeing you the old way. Yeah, because they keep pulling you back into who they think you are, how they've always seen you. So it can, it's really um, tricky for you to stay authentic to who you are rediscovering. Well, and it can make it hard because it can for them because it, it affects how they see themselves. Mm-hmm. The fact that you're changing might be coming up against some sensitive spots for them. Like obviously with Mormons, if you're leaving, it's really hard for them to hear you talk about it because they're trying to stay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They usually don't even want to know or hear anything. Just, just like minimum and then be done because mm-hmm. their eye is on staying active in the yeah. church. And you know, it's okay. And something I've learned, it's okay to take space and it's okay to have boundaries with your family. And it doesn't mean that you don't love them. It just means that you need that time to love yourself. Well, and I found that with healing journeys, it tends to kind of come in waves mm-hmm. where um, things will feel like super triggering or sensitive, and then it'll kind of like peter off again. Mm-hmm. Like this stuff with the LDS church and not having bishops, not having clergy report sex offenders. <laughs> child sexual abuse offenders like that was triggering for me that like brought up a lot of stuff when I had been pretty even killed for a while with <laughs> the LDS church and and so well also I don't think it's bad to be triggered I think being triggered can actually be really useful on your healing if you yeah. if you like take advantage of all of those emotions coming to the surface mm-hmm. like why is it coming up where's this where is it coming from and why and yeah, and it. just because you're 15, 25 years out and you still get triggered, it doesn't mean that you're not doing, like, you're not healed, healing, mm-hmm. that you're mm-hmm. not doing something right. It just, it just takes time. Takes time. I like to take, when I do feel something up, I'm like, I like to understand the emotions so, or the feelings. So then the emotions don't control me or take over me anymore. Like, 
especially if I am going to be around those people who are triggering me, which is usually my family. <laughs> it's it's almost like that to me is how I learn to see things from a new lens and understanding, oh, you guys are just doing that because you're triggered by whoever it is I'm becoming. Okay. That's okay. You guys can be triggered, but it's not going to affect me anymore. <laughs> yeah. And also we can't force healing. Like Mm-mm. just because you, you want, you want this to happen now you're ready. Let's just, let's just like feel it all and let's just do it all. And then we can be done forever, but that's just not how healing works. I mean, it's like the <laughs> grieving process. And people talk about, you know, when they, they lose a loved one, how some days they feel totally fine. And then other days they're just crying all day. And it's the same thing with leaving Mormonism. Like some days you'll feel totally fine. And then other days you're going to be a wreck. And mm-hmm. it could be that you're fine for like a few years and then you just have a really rough month. And yeah. maybe, maybe the general presidency says something horrible about gay people and it brings it all up again. Like, that's okay. That's just because emotionally it's like our psyche knows that we can only do so much. Mm -hmm. And so it breaks it down into like bite-sized pieces for us to process. Oh yeah. Could you imagine all the work we've done in the last like five years, if we had to do that in like a month, there's no way. It'd have to be admitted somewhere. You just, the the (laughs) mind has ways of protecting itself and it's like, okay, that, that was enough. That was enough. Now we need to like function and put food on the table and, and like bathe ourselves and and maybe we'll come back to this again in a year yeah. or so. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this is is to reassure people that they're not doing anything wrong. Yeah. Um and that this is just how healing works and it's normal and mm-hmm. give yourself a break. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pat yourself on the back for how far you've come. Maybe take a look at that. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, when you're having a bad day, just be like, wow, you know, like, look at where I'm at today. Look at what I've accomplished so far. Yeah. As, as we're on this journey to like understand ourselves and our patterns and why we think this way and how Mormonism has influenced all of it and Mm -hmm. your relationships and why do you do these patterns and what is it from here? Is it from here? Is it from here? I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's a lot. And it's the same as if someone put like a 16 ounce steak in front of you, you might need to, you might need to eat it in sections. I'm going to probably have to take that home. <laughs> if, we, if we try to do too much at once, it causes like mental breaks. It causes uh-huh. a, a lot of problems. It's good to do it in chunks. Yeah. You can only handle so much of that capacity. So. Yeah. And the conditioning from growing up in the Mormon religion is, is huge i mean that's like what yeah it's like a steak this big <laughs> yeah it is i mean well, steak the, the, the size of your house <laughs> yeah but the child the child that grew up in that you know you, that's where all of that conditioning starts it takes so much time to like change the the, the systems of how you think and the nervous system and all that is it is a lot of inner child work it, well and, and I think that's why people step away a lot of times. They they go out of the bubble. They just want to get out of the bubble and mm-hmm. be normal for a while because just leaving was so much to digest emotionally. And uh-huh. they're just not ready quite for all of the other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get a little bit strong. 
<laughs> before we have to like do that exactly and all that crying and processing <laughs> yeah it's and you you know you it's like you want to enjoy life too you don't want to always be doing this like hard exactly work. it's, it's not like mentally healthy to just be focusing <laughs> on trauma all the time all day long mm-hmm. like sometimes you just need to laugh mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, yeah. do something lighthearted and and then like you said enjoy your life yeah enjoy life too so I think finding a really safe community um I know there are some um support groups out there that are for ex-Mormon or ex-LDS is a great like stepping stone or if you get a chance to move away <laughs> from where you are living that's really nice too but um I think yeah, I, having a, a really like good community around you is a, a great way to start doing the process yeah but also being opening to that community changing and shifting like I know that it was really nice for me to have the ex-Mormon community to sort of tell my story and then Mm -hmm. like bounce that off of other people's stories. Yeah. But then I also found it really triggering because I was starting to feel like angry about things that I hadn't even known I needed to be angry about. (laughs) Well, that's true. So maybe don't go down that avenue. (laughs) So it was, it was good to a point. And then I think Uh I needed to just like, be happy and enjoy life for a little while. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe it was good for you to be able to talk to other people who experienced the same things as you and like to have that outlet. And then, like you said, kind of forget for a while and enjoy life. Yeah. And then, and now here I am coming back at it from a different angle. It's like the, um, the labyrinth. Mm-hmm. Mm, not the labyrinth, the, what is it? The meditation walk, the spiral. Oh yeah. 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 Um, I don't remember what that's called. Maybe they do call them labyrinths. Um, maybe I'm right. And just, I think you are. The way that it kind of like comes in and then goes back out and then comes yeah. in and, then, and you come in and go back out from like all of these different angles until you get to the center. And mm-hmm. that's how I found it being with processing the Mormonism is it's like you're coming, I'm coming at it from this angle of motherhood and daughter and then I'm coming at it from this angle of wife and then I'm mm-hmm. coming at it from the idea of like career woman mm-hmm. um and <laughs> then this side of helping others who are in it and hearing their stories and it's kind of just like each each little journey gives me another piece of the puzzle it does it, it kind of gives you um every time we get to the chance to see those broken pieces it it almost feels like this anger and rage comes comes up at first. I feel like that's like a good like point that I realize. Oh, I got to work on this because I'm really pissed off. <laughs> and then it's almost like this feeling of like, oh, I get it. I would never have seen it from this angle before because I just wasn't ready to see it. But now that I've like lived all things, all these things, experienced all these things, okay, now I can see this. Now I can understand it. And then I can work on this within myself now. But even the anger is a a piece that we struggle with because in Mormonism, anger is seen as like the evil one. Oh, yeah. That's Satan's influence Mm -hmm. when you're having those feelings. And Mm -hmm. so every time you feel anger, it's Satan. So Mm -hmm. you need to pray. And, And so even accessing anger, I think, can be really tricky where people either get like, almost just live in a state of anger all the time because it's been so repressed 
or they yeah. can't quite get there and they just say, well, I'm really fine. Everything's fine. And I just want well, to live my life now. I believe that repressed anger actually brings on depression. Um, when you're not able to ever express those feelings and emotions, one of the things that really helped me to understand anger, because I actually had a hard time with anger, not only from the church and being a good little girl, but also because my um, father had a lot of anger. So it, I had a lot of fear with those, with that um, emotion coming up. When I realized that anger actually drives passion, it drives forward um creativity it drives for growth and change justice it's like when you can take that anger in a healthy way and make something happen when you have healthy anger but if it's so suppressed <laughs> and you know may came out different but that really helped me to understand that anger is actually a really good emotion to have because it fuels you it makes things happen yeah, I had actually shut down anger so much that I was accepting a lot of abuse in my relationship because I just wasn't allowing myself to get angry. I thought to, that not getting angry meant I was taking the high ground all the time, mm-hmm. but really it meant I wasn't respecting myself. And I think yeah. anger is directly connected to our self-respect. Oh yeah, definitely. I don't deserve to be treated like that. Mm-hmm. And you stand up for yourself. And I'm going to be angry and I'm going to set a boundary that is loving to myself. Oh, could you imagine if women started doing that? <laughs> I know, women especially yeah. in, in the Mormon church have a hard mm-hmm. time with anger, but I, I see it repressed in the men too that are coming out. And Oh, definitely. And it's this idea of, I don't even know what to do with this emotion and I'm not comfortable with it. So either I don't feel it or it just like explodes out of me. Yeah. <laughs> and it's out yeah. of control. Yeah. Yeah. So um, anger is okay. <laughs> well, le- I think learning to feel anger in a healthy way is part of the healing process. It's part of the, I was, I was abused by this organization. It's like mm-hmm. processing that, that brings, that should bring up anger, realizing that yeah. you're abused and yeah. taken advantage of, and then seeing that it's still hurting people that bishops don't have to report child molesters, like that should bring up some anger. You know, these are all healthy signs of anger. Mm -hmm. Now running up to some random person that looks like a Mormon on the street and screaming at them that they're delusional. That's probably not healthy anger. No, it's not. Yeah. It's not (laughs) healthy anger. (laughs) Misdirected anger. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which I feel like happens a lot of the time when we can't do something productive with the anger, it kind of just like starts coming out and attacking people. <laughs> oh yeah. Especially like for me, I noticed when the anger was like coming up for me in really unhealthy ways was when I was really tired, when I was just tapped out and I just couldn't, it just come out and burst then. Um, but since I've had a healthy relationship with anger now, that rarely happens. Like I rarely, I, I even notice it myself sometimes when I'm doing something I'm like, Oh, do you remember when you would like, spill a glass of milk or something and how mad you'd get. And now I'm just like, Oh, well, I guess we better just clean that up. Like at first I'm a little frustrated that I did it. And I'm like, Oh, well, let's just clean it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, just getting angry when it's healthy. Um, Mm -hmm. when there's a violation happening rather than like this repressed anger that's exploding over spilled milk Mm -hmm. and yeah, 
that that is i think a big journey for a lot of ex-mormons is not and maybe not just anger i think there's a lot of emotions that we repress and i think that when you leave mormonism a lot of those repressed mo- emotions and, and for one it's traumatic too so so a lot of these uncomfortable emotions start to come up and i th- i think it creates a little bit of like a thought uh, trap or um, doubt in this in yourself, like oh, am yeah. I making the wrong choice? Like now I'm depressed. Like this is what they always said would happen to me if I left Mormonism. Like I'm depressed, or like bad things happen and I feel bad, or I am angry. Oh, yeah. One of those. I'm one of those angry apostates now. And- oh I, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, that just made me mad. <laughs> <laughs> when really, really, it's just normal. It's like all of these emotions that you've repressed your entire life yeah. are finally like allowed to come out a little bit, and you're going through something traumatic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, I really hate how they teach you that if you're going to leave the church, that you'll be depressed and your life will just fall apart, and all these things will happen. And how just so much fear they throw at you. And then, yeah, of course, you're going to start thinking that. Anytime something bad happens, it's because you left the church, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I was in a bad marriage. <laughs> <laughs> and I left the church fairly early on in the marriage. And so maybe, I wouldn't say for very long, but maybe for the first year or so of after leaving the church, there was this thought of like, well, maybe it's because I'm not Mormon. Maybe it's because we're not being Mormon, you know, Mm -hmm. and that definitely played in my mind leading up to leaving the church is this idea of the reason my marriage isn't good is because he doesn't come to church with me. Mm. Yeah. If he would just come to church with me and try to be a good Mormon, then our marriage would be good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's almost like it's the magic pill. It's just going to make it all better. Yeah. But it doesn't. (laughs) It just means, I guess it means that you're both playing the same script. Yeah. And so that probably does help with marriages because you're kind of like have the same rule book that you're following. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's healthy or that it creates the right kind of like emotional vulnerability, intimacy in the relationship. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. I mean, because you both are just playing a part. Exactly. For your whole marriage until when you decides you don't want to anymore. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I choose not to be in, in this story. I want a different story. And they're like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, what am I going to do? <laughs> well, good for you to choose your own story. Yeah, I think everybody deserves to write their own story and not mm-hmm. just be a character in someone else's story. Yeah, it takes a lot of courage to do that. <sighs> well. I think we both have done that. And I think that a lot of our listeners are doing that too. So everyone yeah. just pat themselves on the back. <laughs> I'm going to do it right now. There we go. Yeah. Good job, guys. <laughs> be be proud of yourself for how far you already come, have come. And if you've already like left the church or if you're even thinking about it, it is scary. Absolutely going into foreign territory, but hey, we've done it. We've been doing it. There's a lot of others out there. And you can do it. Everybody has that. Um, you just have to find that courage inside of you. Well, I think it helps too if mentally you have in mind. It's like when you're running a marathon. Mm-hmm. If you, if you set out to run a marathon, but you think you're only running a 5K, then every mile after the first three <laughs> and a half <laughs> feels like betrayal. <laughs> and so I I think it's good. For people to know if they're leaving Mormonism or high demand religion, um, that 
you're just in mile one of the marathon. Like, like this is a long-term game. Just get it in your mind that it's going to, there's, you're still going to have joy and happiness along the way, but this mm-hmm. stuff that you've been taught, that's been ingrained in your brain, wired in there, it's going to be a long journey, not yeah, a sprint. The, no, <laughs> probably the, the rest of your life, probably. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing. Like it's, it doesn't no. mean that you're just like set out for misery and pain and suffering. It just, no. It's just a journey. It's part it's of your story. Journey. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me think of how when you first start running the marathon and you're like trying to warm your body up and how it's like so hard, but then you just get in your rhythm. There's a few times you want to quit. <laughs> yeah. You get to stop and have like orange slices and Gatorade. Yeah. You might have some really fun conversations along the way. And... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But now, you know, it's your journey. It's your run. And you get to discover all these things about yourself that you just, you didn't know you had there before. Yeah. Yeah. Just enjoy it. Enjoy all the things you see along the way. Enjoy the people you meet along the way Mm -hmm. and just keep moving. (laughs) (laughs) And know that leaving Mormonism is when the gun shoots at the start line. (laughs) It is not the finish line. No, it's not. But hey, we're cheering you on. So Yeah, we're we're out there running too, guys. We're running, yep. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I, I hope you found something helpful and I hope you'll share with other people that might benefit from this too. Yeah, please pass it along. A thank you for joining us today at The Middle Path. You can find out more about... Kat and Jana at thewildbliss.com and facebook.com slash thewildbliss. 